Hey, it's Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. It's the best podcast about the Green Bay Packers. It's week number three. We're talking about the Packers' 18-17 comeback win over the New Orleans Saints from Lambeau Field back on Sunday. I'm Mike Fleischman from the beautiful southwest side of Chicago. Matt Mellemsetter joins me from beautiful Brooklyn, New York. Matt, great to talk to you in week number three, and I cannot wait to talk about this Packer game. I feel like if this season breaks well overall for the Packers, this is going to be a game that we talk about as as a, a start of something. Yeah, this is this is the type of game that this ne- this team needed to win if they have any intention or desire to make a playoff push. This you're, you you stole one here. Um, and, and what a fun game. Jordan Love played great in the fourth quarter. Whole team kind of pulled together in that second half. Grasping grasping victory from the jaws of defeat, always fun. I want to start with just the general outlook coming in for Green Bay, and that was that everyone is hurt. No Jair Alexander in this game. No David Bakhtiari on the offensive line. Other injuries around as well. No Christian Watson for what was the third week in a row now. No Aaron Jones for the second week in a row. So a makeshift duo, but pretty much the same group at wide receiver and skill position as the game before. On the offensive side, also Devondre Campbell left very early in this game due to an injury. So the linebacker core also depleted. And you and I were texting. I was at a soccer game out standing on a visitor's bleachers <laughs> doing play-by-play for a, a doubleheader soccer broadcast on Sunday. Not able to watch a second of this game. Just too much, too much happening for me. I took uh, I take one bad assignment a month for this company in order to uh, keep them happy with me. But uh, the text messages back and forth. It was a stupid first half of football for the Packers at home. It looked like New Orleans was just going to be comfortable and just going to salt away this game and possibly pitch a shutout. Yeah, the the Packers just looked sloppy. It was a lot of penalties. It looked like a young team playing in a game without a lot of important veterans. Elton Jenkins also didn't play in this game. Um, Jordan Love missed a few throws early on. Receivers ran the wrong routes a few times. It just looks sloppy all over. Uh, some some big penalties. Uh, but pulled it together in the end. It was just kind of a, a slop fest that the Saints were able to coast through with the Rashid Shaheed. Uh, punt return touchdown and some some timely plays on offense and then things kind of fell apart for uh, New Orleans after the Derek Carr injury. Matt one of the things that I wanted to touch on was going into halftime that that punt return touchdown for Rashid Shaheed that was with uh, with 348 left in the now beg your pardon that was not with 348 left in the half but it was it was kind of into the second quarter there was a third down and 15 play by the Packers where Jordan Love threw into not quite double coverage, but good coverage with a safety over top to Toure. Marshawn Lattimore was the man right on him. This, this ball was an absolute dime to Toure. Toure couldn't come up with it, and then the very next play is the punt return touchdown. I think that is uh, that's one of the things that when the Packers look back at this game, that is that is one of those those turning points that will – Happen, happen to teams sometimes where, where the team on the road is able to get really good momentum on a plus special teams play. But I think the Packers are going to look back and recognize uh, just exactly what they had there. To me, that was kind of the defining play of the first half in that you 
failed to make something good happen, despite the fact that the Packers were moving the ball to some extent in the first half, but then you know, the the opposing team, if they're any darn good, is eventually going to make you pay for stuff like that. Yeah, the Packers were getting wide receivers open. They just weren't making the plays. It, you know, it felt like seven to nine drops in this game. Jaden Reed had a few. Toure had a few. Uh, Dobbs looked uncomfortable at points. I mean, this the Saints defense is is terrific. Oh, they so can go, yeah. They can go. It's tough. I think I think this is like they haven't allowed more than twenty points yet this year, and also through a I want to say five games to end the season last year. I mean, this defense is just just terrific, and so it's it, it's it's one that the Packers needed to play really well in. They didn't at the start. Uh, and they got in a hole because of it. And now, fourth quarter rolls around. They they really they really cranked it up, made some plays. That's hey, all you need to do. But a first half plus for the New Orleans Saints is this cornerback Alante Taylor. This guy is a big time young player for the Saints. Uh, a guy who's sort of flashing kind of number one cornerback skill and attitude. Yeah, five tackles, uh, a sack, two ta- uh, two tackles for loss, and five passes knocked down. Uh, he 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 was locked down. He 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 looked incredible. Um, Isaac Yadam also decent enough. Former Green Bay Packer. The 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 offense started picking on him in the fourth quarter, and that's kind of what got the ball moving. But through the first half, mm-hmm. he, he looked pretty solid. So. The Packers go into the locker room, and, and it's not right to say that they put the first half behind them. That's not that's not right. The third quarter was also an egg. It was, and it, nothing was working quite right. It was eleven minutes left in the fourth quarter is when the Packers' first touchdown comes, and I think I think this is something that we're starting to realize for the Packers is that this whole Packers comeback started with their pass rush, four sacks on the day. The third sack of Derek Carr was the decisive one. Carr, unfortunately injured on that sack, had to leave. Jameis Winston comes in at quarterback New Orleans, unable to do anything with Winston at quarterback. And the, I think Green Bay, especially with Rashawn Gary, Gary is the guy I, who I have next on my imaginary list of bullet points. This guy has, uh, has come out three games. He's still on a pitch count, but he has, he has impacted all three of the Packers games through week three, despite being on limited snaps, this guy is setting up for a huge, huge year. Yeah, he's going to get paid. Uh, Rashawn Gary had three sacks on Sunday. Um, just, he he's, he's a game changer. He had 23 snaps. He had 23 snaps and three sacks. Uh, he, he just gets after the quarterback in a way that I, I don't feel like we've seen a Packers pass rusher move since, I don't know, like he looks better than Zedaria Smith did in, in his breakout season. Um, and we go back beyond that, and I go like, maybe Julius Peppers towards the end of his time in Green Bay is the closest, that is the most recent we've seen. He he looks dominant. dominant. He's, he's going to get a, a, a fat stack of a contract. I think one of the things that moves Gary into the the upper tier of pass rushers, whether he is like an elite best, you know, best in the league conversation guy yet to be seen, of course. But 
what moves Gary into that upper tier of pass rushers, the guys where it's, you're in the rare air, is that he does not stop. And any quarterback that thinks that they're going to sit in the pocket and have a little bit of time just because you know the tackle wins on the first engagement with Rashawn Gary, you're incorrect about that. I liked all through the game. Every time you see Gary, he just does not stop going. And I want to contrast that to some of the ink that was put on about him coming out in the draft. And that was that was something he didn't do. It was either win or kind of let up for Rashawn Gary. And I do not see that kind of player out there at all. No, it, 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 was, it was pitched so much as like a character issue coming out of, of Michigan. And it... it it felt like watching his tape in college. He looked like a guy that was maybe a little bit out of shape, not necessarily giving up on plays. Uh, but golly, does he look good? It's it's hard to be someone like Derek Carr or Jameis Winston and avoid Rashawn Gary. You really do have to be a massive physical specimen, like a Josh Allen type of body build, or you have to be insanely fast. You have to be Justin Fields or Lamar Jackson type of a quarterback, and even Justin Fields has not necessarily been able to escape Rashawn Gary. Um, no, that pass rush was the the game changer, especially into the second half. You know, you look at the box score and you see Jameis and Derek Carr, and they both threw for like 100 yards, almost exactly the same in the box score. It just felt like Jameis was a little bit less comfortable and especially less comfortable in the on the snaps that counted and the snaps that mattered on important downs. He looked less sure. And that's, that's not to say Derek Carr looks very confident and quality uh, dropping back for new Orleans. It's just that it just didn't work out for Jameis. It's tough to come in yeah, you're after the half. Yep. You're ta- step right into a role and a game plan. You're talking about a new Orleans team that was able to score 10 on offense against the Packers special teams touchdown knocks it up to 17. So Car Car obviously a, a the guy you prefer over over Jameis Winston, but all the same, like this was this was a decent decent game by the Packers defense altogether. I I want to I want to move now to the offensive side of the ball for for the Packers, and I don't I don't think I'm overstating it to say that the Packers were a team that was quarterbacked by Jordan Love at the start of this game, and at the end of it, this team belongs to Jordan Love. I, I, I think you're dead on. This is the this is the moment. This is the signature defining piece of Jordan Love's first year as a Packers starter. This is you know, they they were talking about it a little on the broadcast of like this reminds us of Favre's first start and Favre coming out against the Bengals uh way, way, way back when. And yeah, man, this is a crazy comeback. This is the second time the Green Bay Packers uh the second oldest franchise in the NFL has had a comeback of 17 or more in the fourth quarter. Sure. This is, this is something that doesn't happen uh, in the NFL or in green Bay pretty much ever. And, and I don't, I don't want to walk quite as maybe I don't want to walk down that path quite as much as, as you in that, like I'm not going to make any sort of historic comparisons for Jordan love, but this is a young team with a young quarterback but this is a young team and a young quarterback that has been on a team with a consistent coaching staff and and a consistent roster and the ability to win games even if you, know, you can throw last year over your shoulder a little bit but this this particular team 
right now in these young guys, like there's a there's a lot to prove out there, and the confidence that Jordan Love seems to to have and give to his team, and and the way that I think he's he's inspiring their play is just it's so evident. Like it jumps right off the screen at you. The the first Packers touchdown, the Jordan Love uh, option keeper. That's a fantastic play. You you put um, you put Jordan you put Love to make a read. He goes one on one with one of the top veteran linebackers, and that was Demario Davis, right? That he was one on one with. In the whole, love yep. that, love that you yeah. and you have just in and like I love the play call because you have intentionally given Jordan Love a read in which like the right read and the plus play is him one on one with one of the best defensive players of the last ten years, and he wins it. It's it's just. An insane amount of confidence to put in this guy uh, to go. Yeah, beat beat Demario Davis, uh, a terrific tackler, terrific in coverage, a super athlete, one of the one of the best of the last few years. Yeah, just beats him. And I I think my favorite part about it is is he scores a touchdown. He makes a move, scores a touchdown. They talked about it on the broadcast. Of Jordan Love was so excited to do his first Lambo leap. There's no thought about a Lambo leap. He's immediately rushing back for two. It looks like it initially I thought he was waving off the field goal unit. He was he was telling him, bring on, you know, the subs. Let's get him out here. Um, but just immediately right back into it. We're going for two. Let's go. And then I think it's that two point conversion where I think he makes maybe his best throw of the day. That place which is where he buys ridiculous. Buys it's it it felt so it felt like something we'd seen Aaron Rodgers do before. He he buys time and just makes a whip throw back uh, across his body. I don't know how he sees that guy. Maneuvers in the pocket, steps up, is starting to run forward, and just out of nowhere, it's like the head just realizes, whips left, boom, laser across the field. Just a, a masterful fourth quarter from Jordan Love. He, what? he looked he looked incredible. One of the things you saw in that play with Love on the two-point conversion in the pocket is he seems to have a very good sense of where pressure is coming from, and he's not bailing out. He's he's trying to keep the play alive. He's he's waiting for his reads. He doesn't seem to be distractible. I mean, contrast that with maybe some of the other quarterback your play you're seeing from an, from another guy in the in the NFC North right now. But it doesn't seem like you are able to get Jordan Love off of his reads unless you really, really get in his face. Like if you put a little pressure on him, that's that's not going to do it. Yeah, it, it he seems so calm and poised, and I, I, he's just he's big and strong, and he's quick, and he's got good footwork in the pocket. Uh, yeah, and he's just he knows his hot reads. He gets the ball out of his hands. When he needs to, um, he most aspects of Jordan Love's game thus far, I've been very impressed with. Uh, he's he's not leaving much to be tis- desired. A huge sideline throw to Dobbs, also in the fourth quarter part of this comeback, and then the touchdown throw to Dobbs. Man, uh, the Fox color guy. His reaction to that was, you just can't, he, he said, you can't do it any better than that. And that's exactly right. That throw to Romeo Dobbs for the touchdown is is absolutely perfect. Not the hardest throw you're ever going to make, but all the same. a Just a gorgeous, gorgeous throw and another big-time game for Romeo Dobbs, who's 
uh, and really, I think, uh, I think enjoying enjoying being the number one guy right now for this Packers offense. Yeah, I mean, Dobbs looks like the real deal. He he had his struggles last year. There were spurts, and there were there were flashes, and there were struggles. He he looks legit so far. He's looked great. Um, Jaden Reed dropped the touchdown, but had a couple other drops, but was getting open the whole time. Some pretty he, good. He that was, was some pretty good coverage on Reed on that yeah, far far uh, end zone corner throw. Yeah, I think the knee knocked it out or the foot knocked it out. Um, no, I, I I think overall this wide receiving group has done a pretty damn good job of getting open, and Matt Lafleur has done a good job of putting them in spots they can succeed. The Packers ground game featured Patrick Taylor as as one of your lead guys. It was uh, AJ Dillon. Actually, or not not one of your main guys. Taylor was Taylor got some snaps in this game. AJ Dillon took the most snaps. He had another another uh, bum game with 33 yards on 11 carries. Didn't catch a pass in the game as well. I I can't imagine that there's there's too many games left where Dillon is your starter or with the return of Aaron Jones even your number two. Although I don't know, they seem I, very committed to him. I think that. A.J. Dillon cannot necessarily succeed in this role. I think with Aaron Jones back, things kind of shift a little bit where he's relied on less and can can save up for those fewer and more far-between snaps. The classic Hulk smash a, play right up the middle. Yeah, a little cha- more change of pace I think would be, would be good for him because he just looks slow and tired on a lot of these carries. Um, but if, you know, Jones has said the plan is for him to play on Thursday. And as long as that goes according to plan, I think we continue to see A.J. Dillon in that um, secondary role. If he doesn't play, I would expect and hope that we get to see a little bit more Emmanuel Wilson and Patrick Taylor versus A.J. Dillon carries up the middle. Because that was, uh, it was, it was tough to watch on a lot of first and second downs, just going like, A.J. Dillon... Off the A gap, off the B gap, one yard. Okay, let's try again. Well, this guy Patrick Taylor, not a not a big factor in the run game with three carries for six yards, but three catches for twenty three yards, and he made a really nice move along the sideline on a catch where he just stops, lets a guy go past him, keeps his feet in bounds. Um, I've really liked the way that Patrick Taylor has looked in the passing game, he, and he seems to be a guy who, despite maybe not being quite not quite the physical presence of AJ Dillon, a guy who doesn't mind contact and is not gonna is not gonna shy away from from linebackers or bigger guys. If if it's a question of going out of bounds versus picking up an extra hard yard with a hard hit, Taylor seems to be making the choice to go with the contact for the for the chance, which I like watching that from Taylor. It's good stuff from him. Yeah, he it feels like he's tried his best to take advantage of these snaps. Um, you know, he was he was targeted on a on a tough. Uh, I think it was fourth and two. I can't tell who's wrong in that. It was it, Love threw it a little bit forward. It looked like Taylor took two or three steps and stopped at the sticks, and Love threw it like he was trying to lead him up the sideline a little bit um, for kind of an ugly early on uh, turnover on downs. Yeah, that was a miss. But it it just felt like a young running back who got called up from the practice squad cycling in and 
not knowing exactly what to do, which I go like, yeah, of course. That's that's pretty par for the course. That makes sense. Uh, Undrafted third-year guy. I, yeah. I, I've liked Patrick Taylor in, in limited snaps, and I would be fine with seeing more Patrick Taylor if Aaron Jones is out. Let's, let's see the Packers try something new. Of course, the Saints did set up a 46-yarder for... I don't think that guarantees them a win because there was still time on the clock for the Packers, but the young Saints kicker misses it in Lambeau. That's gonna that's gonna happen to you. There's there's no such thing as an automatic forty six yarder outdoors in the grass in Green Bay. So I I was absolutely thrilled because you know I'm I'm working this soccer game. Let me set the stage for you. I've got two of these two producers from uh, from this this streaming company. One of them is a huge Bears fan. The other one is a huge Colts fan. So I've got one guy who, like, is really enjoying the overtime Colts comeback victory, hanging out with me at this soccer game. I've got another guy who's just dreading the, the Bears game, <laughs> which is going to be happening uh, in the afternoon. And then you've got both of those guys just, you know, getting on my case the, the way that, like, sports guys only can about, like, 17 nothing into the fourth quarter. Saints over the Packers and then and then there was a sequence and our our second game the game that kind of happened while the Packers were mounting their comeback was a really really close one nil game and there were no stops in the action very few fouls called so I was I was just working and working and working but there was a 10 minute period in which you were just texting me like crazy. And I was just left, I'm calling this very, very tense, competitive conference soccer match between like two teams that, that both want to win. And, you know, these games super matters. And my phone's going crazy. So I'm just thinking in the back of my, my head, like, man, something happened. And then sure enough, by the time I get through it, find out what actually did happen you got to watch this game you you were you were gonna do other things but a giant fucking storm hit new york city so you got to watch the game i that storm did not hit hammond indiana gotta tell you that so i will leave it to you before we take a break final thoughts on packers versus saints the the comeback win i loved it but i want to know uh you know you got to watch it all the way through yeah i i think i mean thus far the, those last 12 minutes of the fourth quarter are are the memory of this season and i i think it'll take something really special happening this year for that to not be the defining moment of this season and how we look back at jordan love's first year as a as packer starter i i think that will be the highlight reel that will be the number one header is like guy figures out how to win um i think that it it shows growth in this team Compared to last season and also compared to last week, uh, this is kind of the the mirror image of the the fourth quarter of the Atlanta game. Pretty much down to a T. Uh, Packers were up 12 going into the fourth quarter of the Atlanta game. They lose by one. Packers down 17 going into the fourth quarter of this game. They end up winning by one. Mirror image. It's, it's learning how to lose and learning how to win. Uh, and it... It, it 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 also felt so disconnected from last year's versions of the Packers. And, you know, we're not in we're not in the locker. We're not in the meetings. We're not in practice. We don't get to know how Aaron Rodgers was 
with those guys. We get what's on the television screen. And Aaron Rodgers didn't exactly look plugged in and excited. And he was not exactly talking with his position groups on the sideline. He was not exactly keeping everybody up and in the game and make it didn't it never gave me the impression that he was working to make sure everybody knew we can do this. I'm Aaron Rodgers. We can do it. Uh Jordan Love did it. This is this is a win that doesn't happen last year, I don't believe. Uh which is it's fun to see growth from this team, even if it's in a year where Let's let's be honest. This team isn't gonna win a Super Bowl, but it's it's fun to watch something like this happen. Famous last words right there. <laughs> say that yeah. say that every week from from here until week week seventeen of this season, please. And and just dare dare the universe to make that happen. Just just for the two of us. I wanna take a break. I want to come back and talk about some of the other stuff that went on in the NFL in week three. Talk about Week number four, which is coming up tomorrow evening as the Packers will take on the Lions. Uh, So we'll take a quick break. Cheeseheads in Chicagoland will be back in a moment. We're so used to size in the NFL that you talk about Romeo Dobbs as being a a smaller guy. He's 6'2". He just looks so rail thin. Yeah. You know? Yeah, he's he's very, very lanky. But 6'2", 204 pounds. Like, that is not not, not a small guy. How is Patrick Taylor well, also 6'2"? That is an interesting height for a running back. Um, I mean, the, the Dolphins have hoovered up every single sub-5'11 wide receiver and placed them into one group. So maybe we all should have just been doing that. Maybe maybe the six foot four wide receiver thing is the wrong idea. I I tell you what, uh, Mike McDaniel is just looking for all these other little guys because he has little guy energy. He's probably also over six feet tall for all I fucking know, but he's just he's I, looking for other guys with uh, little guy energy. Let's see, Mike McDaniel height. He's five Garrett. foot nine. So okay, he's, yeah, he's got. He's some... just grabbing guys that he can look dead in the eye with. Yeah, he doesn't want anybody bigger than him. He's got average average guy. He's got short guy energy despite average guy height. But I suppose if you're around professional athletes, five nine, like you're you might as well be Muggsy Bogues at that point. Yeah, Rashawn Gary is six foot five. Holy shit! That guy is br- br- huge. Brian Gutekunst loves his fucking six foot six. Just massive, hyper-fast, super-athletes. He loves a dude that looks like he could be in the WWE right now, today. Were you ever, like, a big pro wrestling fan? I had a phase when I was, like, 10 or 11, and this was, like, a still, like, Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, Macho Man Randy Savage, uh, WWF, like, 89, 91 kind of era. Were you ever a pro wrestling kid? Or or adult? No, it it was it was never allowed in my home. Uh, growing up, interesting. And I remember my one friend who was interested in the WWE uh, was convinced me to let him pull off wrestling moves on me. That's very and dangerous. Like, and then you'll get and then you'll get to do them afterwards. And I never. <laughs> 
I was very unfamiliar with the WWE, so I did not realize that this would be me landing on my the top of my noggin uh, <laughs> and have no interest in getting back up and doing it again uh, and doing it to him. That's all I know. I've watched. Uh, okay. I've been told to watch highlights and stuff from people, and so that's what I've done. But I'm not hyper familiar. Remember my dad just being like, "Mike, that's the dumbest shit ever." <laughs> <laughs> uh, my 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 dad is is and like not a man who's gonna like take a ton of like tough stances on on entertainment properties. You can show him like any of the two hundred movies that come out, and he'll be like, "That was okay." <laughs> yes. um, play him play him any music from uh, from Taylor Swift over to Death Grips and he'll be like yeah that was alright very creative <laughs> so, but he takes one look at professional wrestling he's like get the fuck out of here with this shit <laughs> I, 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 I what I know about pro wrestling is whatever West Side Gun puts in a skit on a song and that is it's <laughs> all I've got I was sad when the Macho Man died because because I think the the guys who work on a different level are are always fun. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna kind of fold wrestling in on itself, I know there have been guys who have come after him that have done that too. But I was an adult who had a job at that point, so you can't blame me for not not knowing who they are. Second half of the podcast, I'm Mike. That's Matt. Packers win eighteen seventeen over the Saints. Lot of other fun lot of other fun action. I the talk going into week number three is that these matchups didn't look fun and this wasn't going to be a good week of football. But it turns out that the uh the fun we had is the friends we made along the way. Uh the 49ers beat the New York Giants thirty to twelve to kick the week off. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that game. I don't. Um, uh, I think the Giants are pretty Bad. There you uh, go. You are correct. Don't really know why they paid all that money for Daniel Jones, and that's not really a statement on Daniel Jones's quality as a quarterback. Or no, a statement. No, on, he's fine at a different price. Did you price. think this team was going to be good? Uh, that's it. Daniel Jones was 22 of 32 for 137 yards and one interception. You do not have to pay Daniel Jones money for that kind of stat line, let me tell you. Uh. Let's look up what Gardner Minshew is making this year. Oh, yeah. That's a Gardner Minshew stat line if I have ever heard one. Yeah, that's the, that's the next game on the list. The Indianapolis Colts uh, find their way back in a game that they were never really out of on the road against Baltimore. Baltimore played down to their opponent a little bit. Uh, Lamar Jackson, no touchdown passes. Yeah, but 200 yards on the ground, sacked four times. Gardner Minshew gets to go with Anthony Richardson on the shelf due to a concussion. 27 of 44 for 227 yards. Uh, one touchdown, no interceptions. Uh, Minshew is a guy who it's pretty easy to root for, and you got to like Indianapolis making the choice to bring him, and I think that was a great idea to have him backing up a guy like Richardson. Yeah, it feels like Gardner Minshew feels like he'll perennially be He'll be a backup for the next 10 years uh, because he can do exactly this and fill in. You draft a guy high, Gardner Minshew can fill in if they get hurt, and you don't have to rush him back, and you'll still win a game, play in a close loss. He'll have a game here and there that's a real stinker, but for the most part, he's he's just steady, 200 yards, a touchdown, maybe a pick. 
that's what he that's what you're getting. The Indianapolis Colts, not a lot was expected of them this year, but they're two and one and two and oh on the road. Ravens now two and one. The Cleveland Browns beat the absolute shit out of the Tennessee Titans. Cleveland gets a good home win, twenty seven to three. I have I have liked what the Titans and Mike Vrabel are doing. Uh, Ryan Tannehill seems to have hit a real wall, though. And uh, Derrick Henry, as well, was just absolutely bottled up by Cleveland's defense. Cleveland has a pretty terrifying defensive unit right now. Cleveland's de- I I don't know how much of it is the Titans and how much of it is Cleveland's defense. I, I mean, it's definitely some of the Titans. Uh, oh, Cleveland, sure. Cleveland's yeah, defense no is for real. Uh, I think the Titans have done a, 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 a bad job of, of getting ready for the downward trajectory of Derrick Henry's career. Uh, and the offensive line has slipped, and they traded away. They got rid of A.J. Brown. They just brought in DeAndre Hopkins this year after kind of running a whole year with no good wide receivers. Um, and now they have... DeAndre Hopkins, who's 33, 34. 31. No way. 31, born in 1992. Damn. Yeah, 29-year-old Derrick Henry and 31-year-old DeAndre Hopkins. That is a unit that should be doing a little bit better than what they've looked in the first three games. I mean, you wonder how much longer Ryan Tannehill has before they give the hand the keys over to Will Levis or maybe Malik Willis. I would expect they'll go to Levis first, but yeah, I haven't seen I, any. I I've seen Willis play. I have not seen anything NFL NFL worthy from him. No, he he was he you know he was drafted last year in the third round as like a long term project pick, and then they kind of threw him into the fire in like week eight, and it was like, yeah, you can't expect this guy to do anything. No, he came he out looked, of he Liberty University. Uh, he's got no chance coming out of Liberty. He needs two or three years. Um, but I like I don't know what they do because Will Levis also kind of a project coming out of school. I don't. You don't want to throw your your guy into the fire if your plan is sit them for a year or two behind a guy like Ryan Tannehill that can just hold it down for a while. And then Ryan Tannehill kind of starts uh shit in the bed a bit. Um, they just, they just look, they just look bad. They just don't really have anything going for him. Yeah. Tannehill 35 this year. And yeah, I think, I think the Titans have a good coach there. So hope, I hope that they're able to, uh, to bounce back a little bit. Fun, fun AFC team to root for. Uh, this brings us to my favorite game of week number three. I think this was everyone's favorite game. Miami 70, Denver 20. Holy shit. I love this. The, every aspect of this game is incredible. Ten touchdowns for the Miami Dolphins. I I, I think I love that they did not kick the field goal at the end to go for the, the scoring record. Just didn't want to rub it in, you know. Let's just, you know. Take let's, it let's easy be good on sports them. about this. Oh my goodness! Um, I also love. Uh, look, man, Sean Payton. I got to talk to you really quick. Don't you can? I, I'm not listening to a single fucking word you ever have to say again. You can never talk shit about Nathaniel Hackett. I could coach a team, and you couldn't talk shit about me. You have nothing you can say anymore. This is, <laughs> oh, buddy. You kidding me? 
Are you kidding me? Oh my gosh. Uh, you you reminded me. I had forgotten because it's not important that the Broncos gave good draft picks away to get Sean Payton, who was on television, mind you. Not an active coach in the NFL, on fucking television. And the Broncos gave good draft picks to the Saints to get a guy on television to come coach their team. It is... It was just kind of sad until I learned that, and that brought it right back around to funny again. What do you know? Yeah, it's really funny. It's 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 really funny. I think the Russell Wilson contract is funny, and I think the Sean Payton thing is even funnier. Um, really great. I, you know, you started to say, I think we all know what our favorite game of the day was, and I, I had, uh, there was another one that I thought you might say, which we'll get to in a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah. That... I wasn't totally sure you were going to go with the – with the Dolphins seventy burger. Oh yeah, uh, you hit a, there was another one. I you thought hit a, you might you get hit a seventy to. piece, and and I'm just, I'm just into it. I'm also just really into what what the Miami Dolphins have going on right now. Their offense is extremely fun. Uh, their, you know, your defense is gonna be good enough, but if your offense is gonna score a lot of touchdowns, like you can have whatever kind of defense you feel like having out there. Uh, who was fantastic. We had a Mike White sighting in this game. Uh, another another backup quarterback that I am I am on record extensively as believing in. Mike White is a great signing for the Miami Dolphins. In that, like, if Tua goes out, they are in some trouble. Don't get me wrong, but you have a guy in Tagovailoa who is working the quick throws, working short stuff, trusting speed guys. Mike White it throws darts inside twenty yards, and he is not scared of coverage. So, I I really I really like adding him to that roster. And you know, if you look at the next game I'm about to talk about, which is uh, the Jets losing at home against New England, uh, the Jets had first crack at re-signing Mike White, and I think they're starting to wish they might have. I I I completely agree. They. The Jets wish they had Mike White. I don't know if you saw the video. Somebody asked. Um, I think the the Jets played the Chiefs this week. Um, they asked somebody, you know, what do you think about the Zach Wilson offense? Asked somebody on the Chiefs defense, and he pauses, and tilts his head back, smiles, and catches himself, and goes, "Oh, that's a really hard question." Hmm. Um, they look like a team that wants to run the ball. And I went, man, <laughs> you good. wanted to say something mean uh-huh. and found a backwards way to say something incredibly mean. Uh, no, the Jets the Jets are, are in heaven if they had Case Keenum playing quarterback at his geriatric age. Uh, the Jets would dream if Joe Namath came back. They... Anybody but Zach Wilson. And the Jets right now are in that tough spot where they find themselves. They are the first team of the season to have a good team with no quarterback. And there is no one shaken loose from anywhere else right now. I think if Tennessee finds themselves um, continuing to suck, I think Ryan Tannehill might be able to be shook loose from, from Tennessee, possibly. But right now, there is no one walking through that door. Uh, the New York Jets scored 10 at home against the New England Patriots. Uh, Mac Jones, who uh, who made his made a new good friend Sauce Gardner 
on, on Saturday. Mac Jones leads the Patriots to the road win. I I don't know, but the Patriots are one and two. They certainly don't look good. Um, but you do you do have to respect the fact that they're going to go on the road and beat a division opponent. So uh, you know, tip your cap to to Belichick and, and Jones. You're I've, I've never really talked to you about Mac Jones. I'm I mean this guy looks like a C plus to me. I don't know what you think. I think he's the dictionary definition of C plus. I think it's it's a guy that is not going to spend his whole career as a starter. He's going to end it uh, backing somebody up at some point soon. I think like three or four years he'll be a backup. Um, but like Mac Jones is a guy that they brought in seemingly to play the Tom Brady role of make the right read, make it before this you snap the ball, just protect the football, get us down the field, let our defense win. And they just, he's just, he's not Tom Brady. He's C plus tier Tom Brady. Uh, and he's just, he's nothing special. He's totally fine. I don't think you're upset with that draft pick. He feels like Jimmy G to me. I think it's a similar guy. Um, yeah, nothing, nothing special about Mac Jones. Josh Allen and the Bills put up 21 in the fourth quarter on the Washington Commanders, who managed three points all day. Um, you you were uh, you were putting some praise on Sam Howell last week. I was curious if you got to see this uh, this performance and uh, the the Sam Howell four interception day against the Bills. I didn't see a second of this game. Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't. Tune in. I I checked up on it a few times. I went, oh buddy, well Ooh, I cursed him. <laughs> yeah. I gave him the curse. Uh, that's the that's the he had a rookie QB day. That's what Sam Howell had. I I don't expect this will continue every game for the rest of the year. But also, sure, I went this, I went after you a little bit. We see this I didn't need to. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, need to he, do I don't expect him to be Nathan Peterman the rest of the way. Uh, I think he'll he'll do something good sometime. But. Uh no, I, I thankfully did not watch much of this football game. I was I was tuned into other other games. Yeah, Bills now two and one, so some of the conversations about like what's wrong with the Buffalo Bills are going to quiet down as we move towards the uh the the middle of the season. Uh Detroit defeats Atlanta pretty handily, twenty to six at home. Real nice win for the Lions, who are the Packers opponent coming up here tomorrow. We'll talk about a preview of that game kind of as a way of discussing this game. A, a good game for Jared Goff, a real good game for Amon Ross St. Brown and Sam Laporta. It's uh, The Detroit Lions, I think, are doing a really good job of using the skill position players they believe in and working on the line of scrimmage really well because, uh, boy, Desmond Ritter got, uh, got just terrorized in this game. Seven sacks of Ritter. By the uh, by, the Detroit Lions, and this is this is my big thing. You know, contrast them against the uh, the Chicago Bears, like a team. You know, because the Bears and Lions were at the same low point, and the Lions decided to develop the line of scrimmage on both sides. The Bears didn't, and all of a sudden, the Lions are looking pretty good with a reclamation project quarterback and a couple of dangerous skill position players, but a, an offensive and defensive line that that does the job. Yeah, I think the Lions did the smartest way to build a team, which is you get everything but the quarterback, and then you can drop the quarterback in whenever. And they picked up Jared Goff in that Matt Stafford trade and went, oh, he's pretty good if we keep him on his feet. All right. He wasn't sacked once by the Atlanta defense. 
That's that's the crux of the lines. The lines will be good as long as Jared Goff stays upright. If Jared Goff starts getting bumped off his spot and knocked down and sacked, they're in trouble. And you might say that's true of most teams. Sure. It but is. Jared Goff, very specifically, is a guy that is like, yeah, if he has a clean pocket, he's going to shred you. This is a this is a historically not very good to fine quarterback, and if you keep him upright, he's gonna be pretty. He's gonna be pretty damn good. So let's talk about keys for the Packers against Detroit. I think the first one, of course, it's an obvious one. You have to have some sort of a plan for the Detroit Lions pass rush. Aiden Hutchinson had had two sacks and a tackle for loss against Atlanta. So you you have got to know what to do against the Detroit pass rush. Detroit's pass rush led to a lot of good stuff happening last year in their games against Green Bay, so I think you got to figure that out. You've got to have a plan for Jordan Love to get the ball out quick, and you've also got to have, I think, some uh, some quick hit runs and also some some more gadget plays. I like that the Packers are running a couple of gadgets. They're running some, uh, some pitchbacks to Jordan Love. Um, I think you've got to you've got to do a few things and you've got to call some smart plays in order to slow down everyone from Detroit coming upfield. There's a lot of ways you can do that. Yeah, the Packers are going to be out. No David Bakhtiari tomorrow, um, so you have to find a way to essentially negate that pass rush with your play calling. Because mm-hmm. Rasheed Walker, Zach Tom. They're going to have a tough time with Aiden Hutchinson. This is a good... Yeah, he's real good. Detroit, he's really, really, really good. Um, so it's just find a way to get the ball out of Jordan Love's hands quick, get the ball to the playmakers, and keep it rolling. Uh, and this is, a, this is a really tough matchup for a young team on a Thursday after after four days of rest. I think I think the benefit is that this Packers team is so young that hopefully... Their bones are rubber. They bounce back quick. They bounce back easy. They can kind of come out and go. But golly, it, it Thursday games are tough. I do. I don't think they should exist, but they're gonna. So, whatever. Yeah, I'm. I'm fully on the get rid of Thursday games tip. But I tell you what, I think the NFL is going to want to try and push it in the opposite direction. And that's because they're um, possibly an evil organization. The NFL. Anyway. Um, Houston, no, no way. Houston, no def- way. Yeah, hmm. Houston defeats Jacksonville by a score of thirty-seven to seventeen. I don't care. Um, the Chargers get a road win at Minneapolis. The Vikings are now zero and three on the year. I love it. I love to see it. They're zero and two at home. Uh, Kirk Cousins. Um, let me give you another Kirk Cousins stat line. Um, 32 of 50 for 367 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception in the loss. Um, yeah, the Vikings, what were they, 11-0, 12-0 last year in one-score games? Uh, the, the, the luck is uh, averaging out in a, in a very fun and new way. The regression um, to the mean is very real. It's, it's happening. They, they were a team that, that got worse year over year and were, you know, for, for for using a buzz term, they were fraudulent last year. It's a lot of a lot of luck bounced their way. Uh, the luck is not bouncing their way this year. Uh, but hey, Kirk Cousins is going to get his yards. Uh, Justin Jefferson is also still very very good. But Man, there's not a not a ton else there. That guy is is on a level that I can't even 
I, I just think that he's so much, so obviously the best wide receiver in the game, and probably the most the most electric wide receiver I've seen on the Vikings, maybe ever, like ever since Randy Moss. Like Moss is the I, last guy yeah. I remember watching regularly that was just so obviously the best guy at his position. Jefferson is incredible. And I wonder how much longer he goes on this team that is is losing and bad before he gets upset. I, I think he's I think he's head and shoulders above everybody else in the NFL. I think, you know, Devontae has flashes where he still looks like he's a top guy. Amon Ross St. Brown is is terrific out of the slot in Detroit. Oh sure. Jamar Chase is coming along, but I think, man, Justin Jefferson, watching him play is is it's like watching a, a somebody play a different sport he's he's just so fast he's on he's unreal i wouldn't take two Devonte adams for one justin jefferson and i think Devonte adams is possibly like a top 10 top 10 player in the nfl but i mean justin jefferson is absurd yeah i i i don't know what the the trade package to get Justin Jefferson off of the Vikings, I think, is similar to getting a young stud quarterback off of a team. I, sure. I don't think the trade package for Justin Jefferson at this point in time is that radically different from a trade package for a Trevor Lawrence type of guy. I think Lawrence is going to get more, but I don't think it's that much different. He's a franchise-altering player who who looks the part of a guy that can go another 10 years and be great. Let's talk it's a little not bit. Just his speed that makes him special. Let's talk a little bit about Justin Herbert. Uh, speaking of special guys, I watched the and and shout out to to the Cheeseheads in Chicagoland new favorite YouTube football analyst JT O'Sullivan, who the more I watch of him, the more I like what he is doing. I I I always knew O'Sullivan as sort of a a you know wash out of the league quarterback. I never really had quite the the appreciation for O'Sullivan as a uh, as a student of the game and a guy who pretty clearly knows w- what he's talking about and his breakdown of Justin Herbert's day oh that was that was a, a popcorn kind of kind of event for me because boy Justin Herbert is fantastic and and the way that the way that I got to kind of watch watch him get slowed down and picked apart in what he's doing I, Minnesota played pretty okay in this game and Justin Herbert came in and beat him it, that, that was incredible he's it's just a special arm he's just so he's so good Justin Herbert's is he, he's incredible but uh, that was the Chargers first win of the year they're one and two and they've got a guy who can do the stuff that he was doing against Minnesota so yeah there's uh, the the LA Chargers if if you're yeah I I definitely read uh, read posts and I'm on forums with with fans of the Chargers and boy that's a that's a group that endures a lot fans of the Chargers because well, they've had some good quarterbacks down there and they don't win shit. Uh, Seattle beats Carolina thirty seven to twenty seven. Um, Matt, is there anything I need to care about in that game? No, not really. Cool. Um, Andy Dalton played. Uh... Threw the ball to Adam Thielen a lot, so it's kind of a reunion of the okay. old guys. Oh. All right, yeah, that's that's yeah. I don't need to care. You're right. Uh, Arizona beats Dallas in a classic hubris trap game for Mike McCarthy's Dallas Cowboys. You're telling me a McCarthy team came out on the road unprepared. You're telling me that. 
I I am telling you that. I'm what telling a shock. you that. Oh my god. I know. A, a McCarthy crap. team walked into a in a way game against a bad team with a backup quarterback and got their doors blown off. No way. I believe it. Yeah, that that absolutely happened. Uh, the Chicago Bears got absolutely housed by the Kansas City Chiefs. Here's here's the thing: no one was suspecting that Kansas City would do anything than absolutely house the Chicago Bears. But all the same, this game, um, content. Uh, the Bears are a mess. I cannot collect a sentence about them. Uh, Justin Fields somehow looked worse than 11 of 22 for 99 yards and a touchdown and an interception. Um, 11 carries for 47 on the ground for him as well. Um, I am I am baffled at what at what's going on with the with the Bears right now. Everything going into this game was, of course, like you know, Allen Williams, the defensive coordinator, who. Uh, the Bears have cleared up every question about what was going on with him by clarifying that he was uh, let go for inappropriate activity. And we should all stop asking questions now because I think that the Bears have answered us uh, comprehensively as to what happened. See, it was inappropriate activity and uh, don't understand why there's still a line of reporters out the door wanting us to clarify that whatsoever. So... <laughs> <laughs> the, the Chiefs. It was this was just a, a party for the Kansas City Chiefs. This was barely a football game past the first quarter. Yeah, I I expected the Bears to get their doors blown off. Uh, I was not expecting forty-one to zero before it. The Chiefs kind of quit playing. Um, that was that was there was quite the sight to behold. Uh, the Chiefs are gonna be fine. They're still gonna be decent even with uh even with all of their missing wide receivers well you get to see exactly how much they like having travis kelsey back uh seven catches including a good touchdown uh that kind of just put the icing on the cake for the game and gave gave the tv crews plenty of time to put the the camera on on taylor swift i think the 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 travis kelsey taylor swift storyline is uh, it got me thinking of other like sort of prominent uh, prominent television uh, television friendly NFL players who have had uh, public relationships with musicians and singers, and of course I got to thinking about uh, Tony Romo and Jessica Simpson. That was a fun that one. That was my first one. That was your first one ever. I have there. That was the one I could recall. I'm an old guy, so that's that's kind of where I go. Have there been any other entertaining? matchups like that not that i can think of i guess i'm not really that tuned into i mean aaron Rodgers had nine million famous girlfriends uh but i get. i suppose i'm not really that tuned into like who's dating who who's who's sure. wife you know yeah, there, I, I know that simone Biles's husband plays on the packers um uh, jonathan owens oh i didn't know uh, that but that's yeah that he's he's a safety that's all i know that's really the extent of my my knowledge. Yeah, this one is interesting mainly because Taylor Swift is like a a huge, huge, huge cultural force beyond just a, a singer and an entertainer. There is there's a lot kind of going on behind the scenes. You know, she is a uh, she's a big time institution. A, you know, with a uh, sort of a, a big money industry, and you know, almost separate from like pop music as a whole, she's an industry like unto herself. So a uh, real, real interesting to uh, to kind of find that partnership because, like, you know, I will not speculate on on how how uh, 
how real or manufactured the uh, the relationship that the, those two might possibly be. That doesn't seem to be something that could be productive. But uh, once you know someone with that kind of clout kind of runs into the corporate structure of the NFL, like I think you could you could you could have some some interesting and very curious goings on as as the NFL kind of decides whether or not they want to market around this or how much how many stories they want to tell about this. But this is a a tabloid focused league with a tabloid focused sort of media presence. So, you know, if you go to the um, if you go to the the main page of Chiefs Bears, the autoplay auto load video is every Taylor Swift moment as she cheers on Travis Kelsey and the Chiefs. So like this is. I don't know. This it it seems fun for a laugh. Like I'm not. Uh, I don't want to be the cynic about this because like it's it's kind of anodyne to me. But yeah, I I do think that it's an interesting thing. Is like you know you and I are both guys who study the media as well as like participate in it. Yeah, I I mean I don't really care about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey as a couple. I do find it very funny to watch things pop up on my timelines of like, all right, Swifties, here's what football is. And I really like this kind of congealing of weird cultural, like, endpoints. You know, NFL Twitter's getting ran into by Swift Stan. I don't know what they call their... Swifties? Are they Swifties? Beehive. It's just, I think it's just Swifties. But I felt like they had like a, you know, Beyonce's got the beehive. It feels like they've got like a second adjective. But maybe I'm wrong. I have no idea. As like the Swifty Stan Twitter runs into like chiefs twitter i'm like oh man there's gonna be no chiefs playoff tickets at all they're getting bought those those the swifties know how to run up against some bots on uh ticketmaster and StubHub. they know how to beat the system those tickets are not going to chiefs fans they're going to people trying to get a spot in taylor swift get a glimpse of taylor swift um i know that like like I just I, I want to put my bet down now. I think that uh, Sunday Night Football this week, which is Jets Chiefs at Jets here in New York, Taylor Swift has already confirmed that she'll be there, or sources have already confirmed that Taylor Swift will be there. I think those those numbers, uh, the ratings for that game are going to be absolutely insane. Uh, which I can't wait to see the twenty eight million tweets about uh, the Sunday Night Football ratings because of the merger of swift fans and nfl football um i don't know i i i find it i'm completely uninterested in taylor swift and travis kelsey i'm very interested in these weird sections of culture smashing into each other (laughs) i just i just said i wasn't gonna be cynical about this but all the same like you know roger goodell is just like just rubbing his hands together like oh yeah that's because this he's, is this he's, it's good for the shield, baby. Roger Roger Goodell is laying belly down on his bed, feet kicked up in the air, just twiddling around back there, just giggling and clapping, and he's so happy. He's drinking an apple juice, writing his he writing in his journal, it. putting little hearts over the eyes. Yeah, he is he's into his, this. His big big jug of M and M's there for him to take little bites out of. Um, it's all it's all. Whatever colors Taylor Swift likes it's and uh, white and red. Good for the show, um, baby. I know we're all we're all so excited to watch Taylor Swift do the chop for the first time. I think that's going to be a, <laughs> a, a great moment. Um, but uh, yeah, I, it's 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 such a funny thing, and, and good for her that her first 
game watching Travis Kelsey is when they absolutely demolish the Chicago Bears. Um, I do have a I have one thing about this football game, the actual football game, which is there did you was see one? The, the clip that there was one there was there was one thing worth worth mentioning, uh, which is I think it was a clip from uh, NFL Films and they had Mahomes mic'd up, uh, and he was just talking about like, yeah, Travis doesn't run a route. Travis does whatever Travis wants, and we just see the same things. So on on that touchdown play, he's he's supposed to run a corner, and Patrick is talking about like, yeah, I didn't tell him to switch, but I knew he wasn't going to run that corner. And they cut to Travis Kelsey, who goes like, yeah, I wasn't running that corner. I didn't tell anybody. I wasn't running that corner. And I'm like, yeah, he just kind of does whatever he wants. <laughs> he's just so big and allowed to go, yeah, just, uh, I don't know, fucking find a way to get open, dude. The only comment I have about the Bears, and this has been my comment pretty much from week number one, is you have got to get Rashawn Johnson some snaps on this team. Like that that I think is is issue number one for the Bears. And you know, this is a team where, Matt, a lot of people are gonna get fired. A lot of people are gonna lose their jobs on the Bears again. And they're gonna they're gonna hit the carousel again. But um you've got to if you're the coaching staff right now, you've got to identify the guys who give a shit, and you've got to put them on the field. And so I think you've got to you got to get uh, you got to get sort of a a you got to narrow down the focus of your offense a little bit if you can, and get Justin Fields in space, get Rashawn Johnson some carries, and get DJ Moore uh, running some some quick DJ Moore routes because they're not using anyone the way they should be and they've got a lot of guys out there who like hi uh Cole Komet uh Chase Claypool these guys don't give a fuck these guys have quit in week yeah. 3 yeah they they quit before the season started Chase Claypool looked bad week 1 uh he looked like he didn't care from the first snap of the year i think the coaching staff needs to identify which players you know give a damn and and we'll play hard for you i think the coaching staff also has to evaluate whether or not they give a damn because it, it yeah, looks there like is some that. pretty lifeless coaching. Uh, and it's, it's you know, it comes down to, like, do you want to win or do you want to run your system? Where's the ego involved here? Because whatever you're doing with Justin Fields dropping back a lot isn't good. It's not what he does well. And I get the idea of, like, let's teach him. Let's teach him how to play quarterback. He just might not be that type of guy. And we saw it with Mitch Trubisky early on. Where John Fox was like, you're not the type of guy that can throw the football. You're going to hand the ball off a lot. And it was the right coaching decision. Uh, if you want to win games, you need to make the right coaching decision right now and not uh, the right development decision because you're not going to be around to see that development. The Pittsburgh Steelers pick up a road win 23-18 over the Las Vegas Raiders. I watched this game and I have very little memory. Of this game, Las Vegas tried to make it uh, make it a game in the fourth quarter, but uh, uh, several problems with the Las Vegas Raiders. Here's number one: Jimmy Garoppolo is their quarterback. Here's number two: Josh McDaniels is their head coach. Yeah, those are problems. Um, those are bad. That's th- those are the ones. That's yep. That's it. Jimmy Garoppolo is bad. Josh McDaniels is. I don't know how he keeps getting jobs. It's pretty. Uh, it's pretty remarkable I am. that he gets jobs The dirt of... that he's got to have on someone to get these jobs. I mean, I also suppose, like, you know, Mark Davis, I don't want to clown on him too badly, but this seems like a guy who might be might be um, 
an uh, in, interesting or poor decision maker, possibly? Possibly. Yeah. Um, it seems, seems likely. I think there might be a track record for that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know why anybody's giving Josh McDaniels a job as long if it's not Bill Belichick for Josh McDaniels to be his offensive coordinator. And that's it. That's the only job he can do. It's the only job he's ever proven that he can do. Uh, stop giving him bundles of money to coach your team into the ground. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo also pretty bad. If you get outplayed by Kenny Pickett, I don't know what to tell you. Um, well, I think any game that's, that's, in which you've got like Jimmy Garoppolo throwing the ball 44 times, that is a recipe for disaster. Uh, Garoppolo is a 28 dropbacks a game guy. If if you're me, uh, they've got to get uh, they 17 carries for Josh Jacobs. Um, hand the ball off to maybe someone else, folks. Like you got you got to find maybe a second running back in there or, you, or you something. Got, you got to do something. You got to think of something. Uh, Devontae Adams had 13 catches. Jacoby Myers made seven. Uh, Jacobs made three. It's you know, Everyone is just putting the safety over the top of Devontae Adams right now. It's a testament to how good Adams is. And, you know, he's not just a possession receiver right now. He can still move after the catch. I was you know, very impressed to see, uh, to see Devontae Adams uh, still playing at a really high level. I know he's just 30. I'm talking like he's a fucking senior citizen. Uh, but he's not. He's he's thirty. He's still absolutely a, a prime time guy. It's uh, it's tough to see him on the Raiders right now because he's he's doing well as a Raider, but the Raiders are not doing well with Devontae Adams on the team. Yeah, I mean, I watch Devontae Adams now, and I go like, this might be as good as Devontae Adams has ever been, and it's wasted. By having Jimmy Garoppolo throw him the football. Yeah, it's not good. Uh, I don't like it. It it, it feels like a neglect. You know, it feels like Roger Goodell should be <clears throat> stepping in and going like, no, 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 you have to get somebody good here. You can't, you can't keep doing this. Uh, it, it, uh, it, it's, it's. I don't know how the Raiders keep stumbling into it. It feels like eventually they will get something right, but they just never do. The Eagles beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a good road win for the Eagles, who are undefeated. Uh, Jalen Hurts is the absolute man. Uh, people people seem to be mad that uh, the Eagles want to turn football into rugby. I'm personally thrilled that the Eagles want to turn football into rugby because it is very stupid, and I like it when I like it when the game becomes stupid like this because I think it lays bare some of the pretensions that the league has about like what success looks like in the NFL. I think success looks like toe tap touchdowns and 70 points put up by the Miami Dolphins. Whereas like the Eagles have kind of figured out the uh, strong quarterback interior line play will get you yards and short down situations. And I enjoy that people seem to be upset that they've figured that out. Whereas I, I, I want to congratulate them for it. They look great doing it. Yeah. I, they are doing what, they have successfully done what the Lions are trying to do, which is build out your lines, build out on the interior, find skill position guys that you like, then go find your quarterback, and then continue to add on to the lines. I mean, the, the Eagles' defensive line is just absolutely unreal. Uh, 41 yards Jordan for Davis. Tampa Bay on 17 carries, uh, two sacks of Baker Mayfield, who only dropped back 25 times. This was... You know, Tampa Bay just didn't have the ball in their hands enough to do anything in this game. 
they're on they're on route. The the size that is on the Eagles defensive line is is the nuttiest part. I mean, Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis are just massive dudes. Uh and they'll be around for a while. I I know that there was a lot going on around like Jalen Carter coming out in the draft and it just seemed like uh it, it seemed like he got a bit of a bad rap, but also like it seemed like the draft was happening at a time that wasn't very good for him. So it's nice to see him him come out and uh and, and at least over three weeks, prove people wrong. Yeah, he's he's been he's been solid. He's just a he's he looks like the strongest man in the world. Six he, foot he's, three, three hundred and fourteen pounds, twenty two years old. You know, goes through all this shit in the draft right around his twenty second birthday. Um, and oh yeah, he is terrifying. And this guy is super super good. Yeah, and then the Rams Bengals is the last game of the night. I didn't see uh, any of that one, but uh, nice to see the uh, nice to see the Bengals get a win. Bengals are kind of my uh, my AFC team that I I enjoy watching them because El Burrow and Chase is a is a fun combination. But uh, yeah, the the LA Rams have boy, I feel like I feel like the LA Rams have looked like a different football team three weeks in a row now. Yeah, um, I mean, even in this game, they they didn't look dreadful. It just felt like it was watching the Bengals. It was kind of the first time they got Jamar Chase going. Joe Burrow looked as healthy as he's looked this year, which is still uh, hobbled, but better. Um, And the defense held up against a a Rams offense that is Puka Nakua, a rookie, uh, Tutu Atwell, a young guy who's like five foot seven, uh, and Tyler Higby. I mean, that's right now, that's kind of the Rams' whole offense. They li- they list uh, the Tutu Bengals. Atwell as five foot nine, which in any time that an NFL player is voluntarily yeah. listed at five foot nine, you know that's a lie. It's, yeah, it's kind of generous. It's kind of like in generous the, five yeah, foot nine. The NAIA basketball rosters that list guys at like six foot eleven, you know that dude is six foot eight. <laughs> if he's six yep. foot seven. Um. Yeah. Now, like you know, the Rams are are kind of built to be bad. It just watching it made me feel bad for Matthew Stafford. I'm glad he got his. Uh, I'm glad he got his Super Bowl. But man, oh man, was he just getting pulverized back there? Yeah, six sacks. Uh, he's just been getting hit all of his life. Uh, he's got a. He's got to feel like the monkey paw really curled on him, because he gets yeah. out of Detroit. He gets to stand upright um, for the most part, and win a Super Bowl with uh, with L.A. And then goes right back to just getting the snot kicked out of him. There are there are terrifying similarities actually between this Rams team and a lot of the bad Lions teams that Stafford was on. Yeah, I I mean once Cooper Cup comes back, I go like yeah absolutely uh, one of the best wide receivers in the league. Uh, Matt Stafford playing quarterback and not much else good about it. Yeah, get back to the quick Except routes for in the one playoffs. guy on defense. Yeah. Um, Aaron Donald had no, seven they, tackles, a sack, and two tackles for loss in this game. Uh, that that guy, it feels like he's been in his prime for eight years. He's he's just continually been amazing, and he's one of those guys who's lasting really well for uh, for Los Angeles. And he plays a lot. You know, eleven games last year was the fewest games that he's ever started in his career. It's un- I I just checked because I had no idea how old Aaron Donald was. Yeah, 30, I realized I'm like thirty two. He's thirty two. Feels like he's been around for twelve years, and also like 
five because he's this good. You go like, he can't be old. He must be young still. It's like, no, no, no. He's 32. But feels like absolutely a surefire first ballot Hall of Famer, no no doubt in the world. Yeah, he, he's like if... He's like if Indomitian Sue was actually somehow better, which is uh, just absurd because as much as Packer fans and, and are inclined to dislike Sue, he was one of the best players at his position all the entire time he was playing, really until the very, very end when he was more of a rotation guy. But boy, Donald has, has taken that and just ran with it. What a What a good career. And yeah, the prime stretching into your early 30s as a defensive tackle. That is that is something to to remark about. Yeah, it's it's pretty unheard of, and he's probably I don't know top five best pass rushers out of the the tackle position. He's just he's a bull, man. He's so good. So we've got Lions at Packers coming up tomorrow. Um, by the time you all hear this podcast, it will be tomorrow. So uh, I hope you enjoy Lions versus Packers. We're gonna. We're going to be watching that. I don't have to go to a soccer game tomorrow night, thankfully, so I actually get to watch that one. Um, I'm going to have my eye, eyes on Bill, Dolphins at Bills on Sunday. That's going to be a good one. And uh, the comedy option, man, I, I am. you're not going to be able to tear me away from Broncos at Bears at noon on C- CBS. This, is, this has, has just so much potential written all over it. I love this. I love this game coming up. You know what scares me? I think the Broncos might win by twenty-one. You know, I I think uh, I think they they have a, a better looking offense than the Bears do, but neither of these teams can can stop anyone. So, yeah, I think this is going to be a real. This is one of those. Uh, I'm trying to think of how how one of the coaches I talk to all the time would put it. Uh, he'd say this is a coaching matchup right here in that like you've got you've got two teams who are generally below the talent level that you would want to have in the NFL right now and so you've got them meeting up against each other uh who's going to be the more prepared team and so far it's been you know whoever's played the Broncos and Bears over the first three weeks has been the more prepared team so um a chance for you know a chance for someone someone to feel good about something maybe coming out of this game Maybe. Maybe. Possibly. It, I'll feel good no matter always, what happens. Oh, I'll feel great no matter what happens. I, I, I think the. I mean, man, there's a great possibility here. There's so much clown potential. A, a tie. <laughs> that would be incredible. That would be so it's good. It's the only time I'll ever root for a tie in pro football is this game right here. Bring down the house. 13 to 13, one missed extra point for the Bears. 5 13 to 5. To 13 tie. A safety and a field goal on either oh, side. Give me a 5-5 five, five tie. That would be a scoregami, I'd have to imagine. I, I, God, I'd hope so. Um, uh, but no, I, I, this one might be a tie or the Broncos might win. It would be incredible. Um, Matt, I've, I've, got, I've got a hot take before, before we leave. I have two of these a season. Sure. Uh, this is not a must-win game for Green Bay coming up tomorrow night. Completely agree. Like you just want to, you just want to look good, and and I would prefer it if the Packers win. I of course haven't like haven't passed away or anything, but um, if you if you take a loss but you know look okay and play competitive, 
really like sitting two and two, you know, one one and one against against your division after four weeks, like that is if any no one no one gets to think that that's bad. I you know, I I'd expect I think the Packers have what it takes to win this game. But you're you're not in must win territory in week four after after a two and one start. No, I I I I think it's too early for this team to have any must win games. Uh, I I don't think the picture on what this team will do or is trying to do is crystallized yet. Nine wins can um, win you the NFC North. Absolutely, I mean yes. Uh, considering you've got two games against the Vikings and one game against the Bears left, that. That might be three wins to tack on to whatever you get. Um, those are two pretty bad teams. It's it's a nice one to have. It's not a must win. I think the, the goal here is to walk out of this game for the Packers being more consistent first snap to the last snap. We've seen two games rotate with, with full quarters. Atlanta, they take the fourth quarter off. New Orleans, they take the first three quarters off. You're just looking for a consistent output the whole way through. Yeah, you want to see four, you want to see four quarters of football out of this out of this team. That's the goal. Is is that growth point from there to there? One final thing: it's the cheesehead of the week. Um, it's Jordan Love. Unanimous decision. <laughs> that is who it is. Uh, Jordan Love has been has been a highlight of of the month for me. Uh, three three weeks of football out of him, and you know, regardless of like, there's good and there's bad there. Like, the, the, there's mistakes, there's good play, but oh my goodness, you know, this guy has. Uh, they're not intangibles either. Like calling them intangibles is dumb. He's got, he has got like makeup and personality and leadership qualities, and also like attitude and competitiveness and like a way he carries himself that has. Uh, it's been hugely impressive. I've just been, again, it's a treat watching him play. Yeah, I, I, I think you can see what those traits are just watching the rest of the team play around him, uh, specifically the offense. It they, they looked dreadful for three quarters in New Orleans. They never looked like they were quitting or out of it or taking a snap off. That team played hard for Jordan Love the whole way through. That team played hard the entire time um there's there's never an ounce of give up in the Packers on sunday looking forward to more of that we'll come back and tell you more about it next week on cheeseheads in chicagoland um i've been mike that's been matt we're done until next week matt what will we tell them stay cheesy baby